And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode, I believe this is actually 130. Uh, yeah, thanks. It's good to be here. I'm recording this on July 11th, Thursday. It is about 2 in the afternoon. I did not join you all on Monday. I was a slack ass. I had intentions of doing it. The day kind of rolled on and on and on and on and it kind of got away from me and then it got into Tuesday. I'm like, well, screw that because Tuesday's a mess and then Wednesday's a mess and actually today is kind of a mess as well. But I kind of got my act together and I kind of made it happen for the most part and got mostly caught up and feel pretty good about where things are at overall and just my level of uh, you know, competence, I guess you could say, maybe. <laughs> I feel I feel like I've reasonably got a, a handle on things, which is nice. So uh, I can't necessarily always say that. So um, what am I looking at here? Um, it's, it's Thursday. I've got most of the uh, most of the day under wraps here. Um, what have I done for the week? I have recorded here. I'm letting uh, my media player pull it up. I've recorded a little over six hours of audio feedback for the week. Um, that's just in, in client check-ins and video feedback and other miscellaneous things here and there. So uh, it's not like I've been lazy. And it's not like I haven't been talking a whole lot during the week. I just didn't get a podcast in on, uh, on Monday. So currently right now, I'm sitting here on the computer and I'm waiting for this very scary operation to finish, which is... My website is migrating to a new server, a new hosting plan through my uh, my hosting company. And so it, it's going to be fine, but right now it's offline. Um, and they said it should take about 10 minutes. It's been about 10 or 15 right now, so I'm kind of anxious. And I'm like, what do I do? I know, I'll record a podcast. Why? I don't know. It just seemed like the right thing to do. So I'm going to start this now. I doubt I will finish this today, but I wanted to get some things uh, off my mind. And I'm going to try something new this week in that I'm actually going to try to write up some show notes for possibly the first time ever that include timestamps for what I'm talking about and when. How is that going to go? Boy, I don't know. You tell me. Um, we're going to try it, though. And so I might make some notes as I'm talking here. I wish I had like a production assistant or something like that. Boy, that would make this so much easier. Anybody willing to be my production assistant? The only issue is um, you have to be on site here with me and it doesn't pay anything. So, yeah, I feel like that's going to make for some kind of slim pickings. Um Anyway, uh, personal update for me. It's been a good um, week. I met uh, a client in town on Sunday this weekend. Jesse, he came up from Chattanooga. He's a little over 10 weeks out from a show uh, that he'll be doing in Chattanooga in September. Um, and just went through a back workout, which is great. And did some posing afterwards, which was fun. Um, it has been a solid, solid week of training. Um, I think I talked about last time my, my schedule that I'd worked in where you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are my busy days, so I've decided to take two of those, Tuesday and Thursday, so today, as my rest days. So I work through the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday are my training days, and then I take a day off, and then I come back in and I hit a back workout on Wednesday, and then I've got a day off, and then I go back in and hit legs on Friday, which means I hit legs on Monday and then a rest day. And then a workout, and then a rest day, and then I hit legs again. So trying to emphasize legs, and also taking two days off per week. I tell you what, so since that vacation, had a chance to kind of recharge the batteries, got over that jet lag coming back, and just was kind of out of sorts for a few days. But things have picked back up. The diet's on point. 
I've actually picked in a little bit of cardio, just some some light walking cardio, which is more than I had been doing for a while. My foot's been feeling good. Taz is loving that because he gets his walks in the morning, whether it's me or the wife. But one of us um, will do it, and I've been picking it up more lately. Um, my macros from Coach were actually dropped a little bit this last week, just to tighten things up a little bit. Nothing drastic, just losing a handful of carbs and some fats. Um, and since then, actually, my weight has been slowly and steadily trending up, which is the goal right now. Uh, to the point where right now I'm the highest I've ever been in my entire life. Um, and I'm not the fattest I've ever been in my entire life. So that is a good thing. I like it. So it's been, you know, it's gone up about three and a half pounds this week so far, just because, you know, I mean, training has been really, really on point and feeling really productive. Um, and so I sent her just a little, um, a quick little video of her request today. Um, just so she could see and she's like, yeah, okay, this is good. Legs are looking full. So I'm feeling really good overall. So I'm sitting here at 239 right now, which is like I said, for somebody who's never really been a mass monster, that's the biggest I've ever been. I'll take it. I'm happy with that. So, um, things are looking pretty good. Um, you know, I still get tired. I find myself, saying fuck about every 45 seconds when I'm in the gym uh, just because everything hurts in the moment and that's just my coping mechanism. That's how I respond with F-bombs. So yeah, it is what it is. Um, but things have been going really well. So I got nothing to complain about there. Um, on the personal front, um, drum lessons have been continuing um, and are still terrible. I actually picked my guitar back up for the first time in forever. So I'll give you a little quick story on this and then we'll get to the business of the day. Um, back in, I want to say this was 1996. Wow. Yeah. I was about a, uh, about, uh, a year out of high school and I was with my, uh, my girlfriend. I think she was actually my wife at the time. We, I, we got married super young and that didn't last, that lasted about a year. Um, but I remember I was like, I want to learn how to play the guitar. So I went and got a guitar and it was a Fender Squire Strat cheapo. 200 bucks, something like that. But it was a lefty because, you know, I'm left-handed. I'm like, so I've got to play guitar left-handed, right? That was a giant mistake. If I could rewind the clock, I would buy a right-handed guitar and just learn how to play righty, but whatever. Um, so I this Fender Squire Strat I picked up in Salem, Oregon, downtown. There was a shop. It was just off of commercial a couple blocks. It was a local music store. I went in there. I got this Fender Squire Strat. And uh, black finish, white pit guard, like the most typical boring strat low-end squire strat that you've ever seen in your life squire just being you know basically a, a strat that's been made for cheap <laughs> that's that's fenders like low-end entry-level guitar it, it's a piece of crap um but i uh so i've had it for ages since 1996 it's now 2019 so what is that 23 years so um and when i pick up that guitar and play it no joke, and I'm not just being self-deprecating here. You would think that I'd had it for 23 days. Um, I've never played it consistently, um, and it's always been one of those things where it's just the guitar doesn't make sense to me. And eventually, recently, I got fed up to the point because I'm I'm listening more and more to guitarists. I'm watching more guitarists, and I'm studying them just out of curiosity. I'm like. I'm sick of not being able to play this thing. I don't need to be able to shred and play in a progressive metal band or anything like that, but I would like to be able to pick up a guitar and look like I kind of know what I'm doing with it. And also, for the sake of songwriting and stuff, 
it would be really good to be able to flesh out some instrumentation on some of these demos with some guitar tracks, have a better understanding of what makes for a good tone. It's also just really good practice for uh, audio engineering, you know, how to be able to sit a guitar in a mix with everything else, which, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, I mean, not professionally, clearly that ship has sailed, but it's something that for, for purposes of making demos for our bands here, it's something that I'd like to be more comfortable with and, and really, uh, the the songwriting process is really an art form because I, I would like to record songs the way that I hear them, which is not necessarily how I would perform them because we would perform them as like a piano vocal trio and that's it. But I'd like to be able to put a recorded version that's something different and it's what I hear in my head down uh, and, and commit that to tape, figuratively speaking. Um, and so I just, I wanted to be able to learn. So I set a goal for myself because I'm, I was looking at the equipment that I have and I've got this Fender Mustang amp, which is a, it's a modeling amp and it's just really noisy and I got it and I kind of like the novelty of it, but it's just the sound is crap. And I'm like, I want something a little bit simpler. I would like to get uh, an inexpensive, relatively um, small tube amp. And so I've been looking at some, but then I said, you know what? Dipshit needs to learn how to actually play his guitar that he's had for 23 years before he goes and buys a new amp for it. And so I set the goal for myself of sitting down and practicing for 30 minutes a day. And if I can stick with that for a month, I will allow myself to go amp shopping. So, um, so, so far today will mark day five of that. I haven't done it yet, but I've been doing pretty good with it. And honestly, after, after four days with today being day five, after four days of it, it's like, man, it's amazing what happens if you actually like sit down and practice something and actually like work on it and uh, have a little discipline with it. Um, because I mean, nobody's going to confuse me for anybody who's proficient in guitar, but I went from like, bow, 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 and now I can kind of like, I can go through a scale. It's a little bit easier. Like, okay, that kind of came together quickly. So I, it's encouraging to kind of continue working on that. And it puts me back in the mindset of somebody who is relatively new to lifting and relatively new to bodybuilding. And you need those little bits of success that kind of almost catch you off guard at times in order to encourage you to keep going with it. Um, but at the same time, you can't not put in the work and expect to see those little bits that continue to encourage. So it's, it's that encourage you to keep, continue keeping at it. It is really a chicken or the egg kind of argument here. And, um, you know, well, do you put in the work or do you see the results first? Clearly, you've got to put in the work, which means you've just got to throw on the blindfold, put one foot in front of the other and put in the work and you're not going to see the results at first. For me, with the guitar, it's fairly encouraging because after two days, I was already seeing some results. With bodybuilding, the process is a little bit longer. You know, if you if you have a really good practice habit, it is not uncommon from what I've understood to be able to go from, you know, brand new guitarist to somebody who can kind of play some stuff within a year. You're not going to go from somebody who's never set foot inside the gym to being uh, a competitive bodybuilder within a year. I, I've seen it done before. Some people have done it. It's uncommon. Um and if that's the case, it just shows that you probably should have been doing this all along. Just like some people will pick up guitar and master it in like six months. You know, it was just meant to be. But um, it was kind of a reminder. Just you know, it's good to be. And not like I needed the reminder. I'm in, I'm I am partaking in a lot of activities right now that are really uh, really helping to keep my ego in check. Like the drumming thing, I'll have a breakthrough and be like, oh, okay, this is good. And then I'll go back and I'll have my lesson on Tuesdays with Kevin, my drum teacher, and be like, yeah, so I figured this out. And then I sit down at the kit and I'm like, and then I can't 
put it together. Like the coordination isn't there. Like I didn't practice enough to where it became muscle memory. So I'm like, Oh God, I'm just that dipshit in the room. It's like, look what I can do. And then I can't do it. (laughs) Totally embarrassing, but it's par for the course. So like I said, keeps my ego in check. So between that and the guitar, which I'm terrible at uh, my, my ego is firmly in check. So don't you worry about me. And, but it's, it's good to engage in that kind of stuff. And it also reminds me and puts me back in that space to, work with people that are new at this and to, to be new at something myself, even if it's not bodybuilding, it just helps me realize like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't forget where you started from. Um, and don't forget where you are now in other things as well to help kind of keep things in perspective. So, um, that all being said, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a humbling, uh, humbling experience. So, um, let's do this. Um, I've got a few, um, voicemails I want to get to, but I'd like to go ahead and jump in now to, uh, let's go to some, some listener questions. So, um, this one will be a, a written one actually, and this came from Caleb Smith. So, um, Caleb, who is a, a client, and actually just today we had our first check-in. So he's new, and he posed a question. He's like, you can save this for the podcast. So here it is. Um, Caleb asks, quote, what are the major differences in diet and lifting program for somebody whose goal is to look more lean slash cut rather than putting on size? The old Abercrombie model versus bodybuilder comparison, which is good. So, um, and, and I, I will answer this question a couple couple of different ways. So for somebody who just wants to look um, lean or cut rather than putting on size, I would say what you want to look like should be considered relative to where you are now, and then we have to figure out what direction to get there. Because you might want to look lean and cut, but let's say you're five foot ten and 140 pounds, but you don't look lean. If we try to make you look lean, like lean you out further, you're actually just probably going to look anorexic. It's not going to be a good look. That might not be what you're going for. So you might actually want to go for a size. So you have to figure out what the aesthetic is that you want um, and realize that, yeah, for if, you, if you're a little undersized, you would probably benefit from growing a lot and then cut down, and then you'll look probably like more, more like what you have in your mind. Similarly, a lot of guys who are a little bit bigger are scared to see the scale get down small enough to the point where they're lean enough to be at the aesthetic that they're looking for. They're like, no, I don't want to get down that light. No, I I don't want to see that number. No, 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 I worked too hard to get up here. I'm like, well, yeah, but you worked hard to get up there and you're carrying a lot of body fat. What we're going to do is get rid of that. So, you know, it's like carrying around stuff that you don't need just because it makes you feel better. You don't need all that body fat. So divorce yourself from the number a little bit and and target the aesthetic. So don't be afraid to put on unwanted size. Well, not unwanted size, but more size than you might think would be necessary. And don't be afraid to cut down smaller than you might think based on the number in order to make it happen. Um, there's somebody that I, uh, I follow on Instagram who just won her uh, pro card at the universe this last week. And she does figure. And so... She uh, she competed I think 141 pounds, got up to 170 in her uh, in her off season, and she said like this was way bigger than I've ever been in my off season, and it was really you know I had to get kind of uncomfortable. I did not like seeing it necessarily, but it was absolutely necessary. Uh, and the gains that she made from you know her competitive season last year to this year pretty significant. And so is that necessary for everyone? No, but I would say it's necessary for more people than not to get a little bit heavier than you might think you need to be as long as it's not totally useless. Like if you're putting on 30 pounds of pure fat, that's not productive. But if you're worrying less about where that number is and just saying, you know what, let's just put on some size and you're putting in good 
quality sessions in the gym and you're building muscle at the same time great you put on a little bit of fat along with that you, you can you can get rid of that while keeping the muscle for the most part so it's a fair game to play it really is so um as far as how the diet and the lifting program would change like i said it depends on what actually needs to happen so what i might say instead is you know what what's the difference in diet and training for somebody who wants to have more of an abercrombie model versus a bodybuilder aesthetic so the difference there is two things it's the amount of size you have and the level of conditioning that you have so and that comes down to um Oh, well, a lot of things. So, you know, when, when most people think bodybuilder, they're thinking of somebody who's on anabolics as well. So that factors into the equation. An Abercrombie model isn't typically going to uh, be engaging in anything like that. So that's one big difference. And that can make a huge difference in the end result as well. And then it's just about how aggressive the diet is, how long it is, um, and how big the swings are between phases. So if you are targeting a more of like a fitness model type of look, you don't need to get quite as extreme. You don't need to get quite as chunky in the off season. You don't need to get quite as lean when you're ready for your photo shoot or anything like that. So there are mitigating factors and there's complicating factors all over the place as well. So the the main thing is it's about extremes. And do you embrace the extremes or do you avoid the extremes? And there isn't necessarily a right or wrong answer, except, you know, if, if bodybuilding is the target, that is something that encourages and benefits from extremes. Um, you, you will rarely find a successful bodybuilder, regardless of their division, if they haven't embraced extremes in some way. Um, and by that, I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to be a lot more focused. They're going to make a lot more sacrifice. Those are extremes. Um, they're going to be, uh, you know, their diet is going to be a little bit more extreme. Their training and cardio regimens are going to be a little more extreme as well. Um, if the goal is, you know, fitness model, using that in quotes, it's just not necessary to do that. You still need to be really consistent. You still need to be really precise. Um, but uh, you can chop a little bit off the edges of your, your bell curve and not quite go so extreme on some things. So um, that was a good one from Caleb, though. I appreciate that. Um, just a, a, a curiosity uh, note here. This is, hold on, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with my show notes and, and typing these <laughs> so that I have some idea of where my markers are going forward. Um, so this came from, uh, from Doug via email. And um, Doug writes, quote, I have a metabolic disorder called LCHAD, which as far as I understand it is my body doesn't have the ability to break down certain fats that I eat. I'm wondering how should I modify my nutrition in order to lose weight but still have energy? I wrestled in high school and never really had a problem doing cuts to make weight. Generally speaking, though, I've never had to cut more than five pounds at a time and eventually I wouldn't have to at all. I'm 24 years old, working a very physical field and weigh about 225 with about 25% body fat or so. Um, so this was interesting. I had not heard of this before, um, but uh, in, in looking it up and doing a little bit of research here and I um let's see there we go all right I wanted to pull this back up just so that I'm not totally um making it up off the top of my head so what this is um boy do I make an attempt to try and pronounce this or not I think I can pull it off so let's try it here LCHAD so oh, that's an acronym L-C-H-A-D um stands for <clears throat> let's try this long chain three Hydroxyacyl COA dehydrogenase deficiency. Okay, I think that was reasonable. Um, a rare condition that prevents the body from converting certain fats to energy, particularly during periods without food, during fasting periods. So, um, you know, this is typically something that uh, occurs. Uh, 
when you're very young, like as an infant, um, and that will uh, be around. Uh, there, there's no no cure for this. There's just treatment and management. Uh, so um, basically, what it means is um, your ability to process dietary fats is is very very low. So um, I think what what Doug said is he basically just avoided dietary fats. And my concern there is like, well, you know, you do that and you're putting yourself at risk for being um, uh, deficient in vitamins A, D, E, and K because they all require di- – they're fat-soluble, so they require dietary fats um, as part of your diet in order to actually be able to process and absorb those vitamins. So you don't want to go nothing. You don't want to do anything. But um, if, if you're talking about the ability to convert um, fats to energy – um, the, the issue with this disorder specifically is, um, you know, during periods when you're fasting or right after a fast. So what my recommendation to Doug and, um, you know, everything on this is to take with a grain of salt. I'm hardly an expert on this, but, um, it didn't sound like, because it is, it is a rare disorder as well. So, um, I don't think his physician was really equipped with a lot of really good, um, advice. Um, but what I would say, and is, you know, it sounds like your ability to process dietary fats is, is limited, but it's not non-functioning. It's not zero. So I'm like, avoid fats for breakfast and have some later throughout the day, you know, keep them very minimal. Don't add a ton, but a few here and there. Absolutely. Um, and so I just thought that was a very interesting thing. And whenever I, I find something like that, where it's new to me, I, I always just want to share it just because, um, I, th- I find it interesting. So, um, Oh boy, what do we do next? What do we do next? We've got, we've got a potential for a couple of voicemails. You know what we're gonna do? I know what we're gonna do. Sit tight here. Hold on. Let, let's let's go here. Okay, yeah, pretty sure I have talked about this before, but it is worth bringing up again. I will be offending several people who listen to this, but keep in mind, I'm not attacking your quality as a human being. I, well, actually I kind of am with this one. So there's something fundamentally wrong with people who perform back in parking jobs. Seriously, what happened in your childhood? Who dropped you on your head or gave you whatever complex it takes in order to manifest this de- idea in your head that you need to back into a parking space and disrupting the flow of anybody else who might be around you who is not expecting you to do that? So you overshoot your parking space and people are like, do, 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 do. Okay, cool. Oh, oh, no, this person is an asshole who wants to back in park. So now I've got to back my ass up to make room for them and their special ways of manipulating their vehicle through this parking lot, which, you know what, it's it's kind of like being left-handed, except it's worse than that. Now, I'm a lefty, so let me explain. Like, being a, being a lefty is a minority thing. There are far more right-handers than left-handers, but it's something like 35 to 40% of people are left-handed. So, you know, you're kind of special, but not that special. It's not like it's a 5% kind of thing or anything like that. So back in Parker's, there's enough of you to disrupt the flow of things, but not enough that we expect you until you reveal yourself. Like, it always kind of takes you by surprise. Like, okay, this is fine. Oh, oh, this is one of those assholes who does back-in parking. Great. So, and what, what is the deal? Like, do you feel like, are you going to, when, when you go into the grocery store, are you going to rob it? And so you need to come out and make a quick getaway? You can't be bothered to back out of a parking space like a normal fucking human being? Jesus. I mean, come on now. I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. But every time it happens, I just, I, I get furious 
and I just sit there and yell at my car. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Oh, my God. Jesus, what? Uh, now, Taz is concerned. He's coming downstairs to look at me. I'm not yelling at you, buddy. I'm sorry. Oh, God. All right. Pet peeve of the week is Taz's least favorite segment of the podcast each week. I don't know that he has any that he really likes, but he really doesn't like this one. So why don't we uh, why don't we move on and get back to some more normal things? Hey, Darren, it's Gabriella from New Jersey. Um, just listened to your podcast from Monday about you know wanting to talk about body dysmorphia. What is this guy doing? Oh my, sorry, driving. I have road rage. It's not just um, me. <laughs> so. Talking about body dysmorphia, um, so I personally don't think I've really struggled with it because, honestly, I've been, like, the same, almost the same body weight and, like, composition, like, since maybe high school. Because I'm really short and I've always been into sports and the gym, so I kind of just, like, never changed. I hadn't had any, like, real fluctuations, but I could definitely see um, myself being like that if I did, but... I do know, like, I have an experience where my uh, ex-boyfriend had it so, so bad to the point where that's all he used to talk about with me. Literally every day of his life, he would stare in mirrors and waste so much time, like, just talking about how he was a bodybuilder. And, like, all he would do was just talk about how he's not big enough, he doesn't look big, he looks, you know, small compared to this one. And whoever, and I mean, to, to the average person, like he was a big dude, like he was a big guy. Um, he was a very fit, uh, had a lot of muscle, was like really big. But he had body dysmorphia so bad that he every day he would just he thought he looked horrible. He thought he he was never ever big enough. Like no matter what he did, he was just not big enough. And he was um, he was like on steroids, like juiced the hell up, like he was big, and. He was just miserable. I mean, we had a lot of problems because most of the time he was miserable, and I know that it just in general affected his mood really, really bad because he he would, like, look in the mirror no matter what every single day and feel like he looked horrible, and he was – it wasn't that he was fat. It was just that he wasn't big enough. I'm nodding my head throughout this whole thing here. people started telling me, like, his parents and his – a lot of his friends would start saying, like, Dad, like, He's getting really big. He looks jacked. He looks like almost in a bad way. Like he was getting really big, and he just would think that he was small. So he had it so bad to where it was like really affecting him. Like obviously using uh, steroid-wise, and in the gym, he's way overtraining. He'd be in the gym for like three hours a day, just like killing it. And it was it was like to the point where it was really really excessive. (laughs) So just his general feeling about the way he looked which in reality wasn't true because you know he was he was like a big dude and he was he was good he was fit and he just like it was like never enough for him so body dysmorphia is such a real thing um you know like i said i never personally had it so i can't speak all right i think uh, i think gabrielle got cut off there i think there's a follow-up but i wanted to touch on this there so um i mean uh, uh, as i said i'm like sitting here nodding my head throughout the whole thing like yep that sounds pretty familiar yep 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 first-hand experience with that absolutely that's pretty much how it works so um you had a good point that fluctuations in your body type, which you haven't really experienced, can lead to the development of something like that and i think there's probably some truth in that i mean that kind of makes sense you know um you, you can you can like be 
overweight and out of shape and look at yourself and have a very, I would say, common, normal reaction, which is just one of like not liking what you see. And that's fine. But and, and well, it's not fine, but it's it's normal. It's predictable. That makes sense. So uh, it, it's when then, OK, let's say you get in shape. You may have there's a couple ways this could manifest itself. You may just not have an appreciation for what you've really done and how you've changed yourself. Maybe you do. I don't know. But then, you know, you're working towards this kind of peak level of conditioning. At some point, you're going to cross a point that's maintainable. Like, let's say you start at 200 pounds and you've got some weight to lose. And so you get down and you're like, you know, you pass down to 150. And you're like, okay, well, this is something that I can maintain, but you know, I'm trying to do a show, I'm trying to get leaner, etc. So you keep going and going, and you get down to something that's more appropriate for that kind of a goal, which is maybe 130 or 135. But that's not really maintainable. That's not something that you can keep. And there's going to be some regression back towards that 150 mark, which is something that's more, uh, uh, more of like a maintenance point for your body, where you can maintain that without having to kill yourself. You've got to keep up some semblance of a routine, as we've talked about before. Maintenance is an active process. It's not something that passively happens. Um, so w- once you see yourself at 130 or 135 and then you regress, uh, you know, normally back to 145, 150, I think there's definitely a longing to get back to that leaner stage. And this leads to a lot of problems here. Now, is that technically body dysmorphia or is that just, you know, being greedy and wanting more? I don't know. I think it depends mentally on how you see yourself. Um, and, and I think what it really comes down to is, um, do you lack the ability to see yourself objectively? I think that's what body dysmorphia comes down to. Cause like Gabby, as, as you were talking about with your, uh, with your ex, um, you know, that's a dude who lacked the ability to see himself objectively. Now, again, I'm, I'm going off of, uh, off of your feedback here because, you know, maybe in the bodybuilding world, dude wasn't really that big. And so he saw people that were, and he's like, yeah, I'm undersized. Like, I say that all the time. I'm like, I'm small, uh, you know, I'm, I'm small and I'm fat. Uh, and I'm sitting here, I'm six foot 239 as of yesterday. So uh, not really small, I get that. Not really fat, I get that. But I'm comparing myself to guys that are like 270, 280 at my height or a little bit shorter than me. And I'm like, yeah, mm, the problem there is the comparison thing. That's where good things go to die. So <laughs> there's nothing healthy that comes from comparing yourself to others. Absolutely nothing at all. Do I recognize that? Of course I do. I, I know that. Jeez. Um, but it doesn't necessarily uh, help me prevent myself from doing that and stay out of that space. Uh, I think a, a huge part of that is social media also because that's how we really compare ourselves to people in 2019 is through their social media posts and everything is filtered through that social media lens. So you see whatever somebody is posting that makes them look as good as possible versus you see yourself all the time in the most unflattering ways. Um, you know, you, you you never see you know Instagram fitness celebrity X. Uh, post something that's just, you know, them relaxed. You get some people who are really candid about it. And frankly, a lot of those people are like overly candid to the point where it's obnoxious. Like, look at me. I'm not always lean. See, I have bad posture sometimes and I'm going to stick out my gut. Whatever, shut up. But you, you are largely seeing 
the, the highlights of what they're posting and you are privy to all of the highlights and the lowlights for yourself. So you can't really draw a fair comparison there. I think it's good to make that, uh, make that distinction and keep that in mind. Other thing, I mean, does this impact your mood? Yeah, it absolutely can. It depends on how bad this, uh, how bad the dysmorphia hits you for sure. Um, some people like me, I mean, I definitely have it. I definitely do. How, how aggressive is it? Well, you know, it can put me in a funk here and there. It can cause me to find, kind of feel down on myself a little bit. But big picture, it's not going to stop me from doing anything. So uh, I know there are a lot of people who have it worse. There are some people who simply cannot do this because it hits them so hard that they can't function and they can't maintain uh, any semblance of a productive routine or anything like that. Uh, one other thing that is, is worth noting for this is that uh, bodybuilding absolutely has a tendency to draw in people who have an addictive personality. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with some of this as well, because when you have that addictive personality, and I'm not just talking about drugs or anything like that, but, you know, addicted to, uh, you know, progressive gains, you know, getting bigger, getting leaner, those kind of things are very legit as well. Uh, very legit addictions. So, when you do that, there is a tendency to never really be content with where you are or never really appreciate what you have. And that kind of goes uh, very much in line with body dysmorphia as well. So um, I think there was more to this. Let's see uh, see what else Gabrielle had to say. Hey, Gabrielle here. again. Damn, I must really talk a lot because the voicemail streak was like, goodbye, and it hung up on me. But uh, just to wrap up what I was saying, uh, yeah, so I had like a personal experience with like, my ex about like seeing firsthand what it did to like his mood and how it really really affected him and it, it was bad it, it was definitely a real thing so like I feel for anyone who is struggling out there with it um, because I saw how it's crazy looking from the outside and seeing a person and how they really look and then him constantly telling me like how he feels that he looked and it was just so crazy that it was so far off from what he actually was so Body dysmorphia is a real thing, and it definitely affects people and their personalities. I mean, definitely not in a good way either. So, I mean, I feel for anyone who out there is struggling. But, um, but yeah, so those, that's my experience with it, and I'm curious to see what everyone else says. Thanks. Yeah, so uh, you said I feel for anyone who's going through the Me too, and thanks. <laughs> I think uh, another phrase that comes to mind um, when talking about this is divorced from reality. If you find yourself divorced from reality, then you are probably suffering from this. But the problem with that is that sometimes you just don't know. You know, does the crazy person know that they're crazy? Eh, you know, and also, you know, you're not really crazy if they are really watching you, right? I mean, come on. So some uh, people could be dismissed as having body dysmorphia when, in fact, they're kind of spot on. Like you can have somebody who's kind of hard on themselves and say, man, I'm just not very big and I'm kind of fat. And you know what? Maybe they are both of those things. That's entirely possible as well. I don't necessarily think it's a healthy outlook to have, but there, there are degrees on the, uh, on the spectrum for, uh, you know, all, all, all stopping points along the way. So, uh, anyway, that was, uh, that was good. It was good to revisit that. I would love to hear additional stories, please. I got another message here. Let's go to it and see what we got here. Hey, Darren, it's Matthew in uh, Orlando, Florida. Hey, Matthew. And I was calling to uh, ask, what do you do uh, for workouts and nutrition when you're on vacation? Um, do you try to just get away with working out in, like, a hotel gym, or do you actually pay for uh, a real gym for the week? Do you think that's useful? Um, also, do you try to still stick to macros, or do you just eat whatever, or do you just try to eat clean? 
Um, what do you think? What effort do you think is worth, um, you know, putting in while you're on vacation to still have fun on vacation, but then not feel terrible the whole time uh, or guilty? Thanks. Yeah, that's a good one. So uh, my, it, I, I think it always depends. So we can tackle this a couple of different ways. First is to talk about actual vacation. And then second, we can talk about travel more generally. Let's do that first, because I think vacation is a subset of travel. So let's talk about the broader topic first. When, when traveling, I mean, you, you've got to define the parameters of what you're doing and also look at the purpose of the trip. So, uh, and also look at the frequency with which you travel. So I work with a handful of clients who work in sales or something in that field. Um, you know, I've worked with traveling nurses as well, where they're picking up and they're relocating every month to a different location. So they don't necessarily have a permanent home that counts as travel because you're always kind of on the road. You always have a high potential for being out of your routine. And that's what, that's what travel is all about is it's a disruption in the routine and it's being away from your normal accommodations. So, uh, if you travel regularly, it becomes more critical to stick to the plan as best you can. If you find yourself traveling for a week or more out of every month, uh, that is going to be a huge disruption in your long-term progress. If every time you travel, your routine goes out the window and you get in like, well, I got in some some workouts at a hotel gym, but they kind of sucked and my macros were off. I didn't do any cardio. I was busy. I was in conferences, blah, 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 blah. All those things are, uh, I'm, I'm just not going to sugarcoat it at all. All of those things are 100% excuses. Um, there is always, always a way to make it work. The question is, is it worth it based on the circumstances of the trip? Um, and so, again, the, the first thing that it comes down to for me is frequency. How frequently are you traveling? And the more frequent you find yourself traveling, the more likely it is that it's not for pleasure, but it's probably for business or something kind of like that. And it makes sense to really keep yourself on track as best you can. Um, example for me, going back to the start of this year, um, when I started making regular trips back to Oregon to visit family. I was going for basically what amounted to about five days out of every month um, back back to Oregon. So a cross-country flight, hang out with, with mom and dad for uh, three to four full days, and then come back another cr cross-country flight. So the travel days are brutal, um, especially when you're, when you're shifting time zones like that and you've got layovers. Uh, for me, I found that it was not necessary because of the, the phase that I'm in. I'm in a, a growth phase right now, so I can get away with a little less precision. So it was less critical for me to be totally 100% on it every single freaking day. Um, like my travel days, I'd make the best attempt, but I wasn't going to sweat it. If I was a little under on protein, a little over on carbs and fats, whatever. Basically, those days are more about surviving than anything else. Those typically were non-training days as well because oftentimes I'd have like, Oh, I might work a, a full day like on a Thursday and then fly out Thursday afternoon, get there Thursday night. So I would have a chance to get in like four good appropriate meals. I dialed down on my carbs and fats a little bit. So then when I was relegated to airport food, um, I could have stuff that was heavier in carbs and fats and still be mostly on point. So. And then the days that I was there, the full days that I spent, um, I got day passes at a local gym um, and actually really kind of like that place. I kind of miss it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, and I'd hit the grocery store. You know, I had access to a full kitchen. I had a rental car when I was out there. So I had my own transportation. I had um, a, 
uh, accommodations at a, a full you know kitchen facility, my parents' house. So it was kind of like a normal uh, an opportunity for me to, to develop a home away from home situation. So because of the frequency with which I was doing it, I didn't want to just chalk up the better part of a week out of every month and just say, eh, whatever. Um, so I kept up with the routine, and I think that, that was pretty valuable. Uh, if you travel less frequently, like let's say you are, I don't know, you're have a professional development thing. So you typically, you work in an office setting or something like that. Um, and you are traveling and you've got to go, you know, two States away. Maybe you're flying, maybe you're driving and there's a conference for four days or whatever that you're attending. Uh, you do one of these a year. Um, and other than that, you've got a pretty consistent routine. Well, you know what? If we're talking about missing like three or four workouts out of a year, it's hardly the end of the world. I would say at that point, it becomes a, loss, a lot less urgent um, to try and maintain the routine. It also depends on what phase you're in. Like if you are in a pre-contest phase, um, I don't care what you're doing. You're on plan 100%. No excuses, no exceptions. Travel, I don't care. You got a vacation plan? Well, guess what? That was a bad idea. You shouldn't have planned to take a vacation during your cut. That was poor planning. There's <laughs> no other way to sugarcoat it. Um, and I mean, certainly, if you want to take a vacation while you're on prep, great. But the expectation is you are still on prep. You're hitting the routine. You're hitting your macros or your meal plan exactly. So at that point, it's kind of like, what's the point of a vacation? Save it for when you're not in prep. That's the best way to do it. Or you know, pick a different show. If you always vacation around the same time, pick a show so that you don't have to be in prep dur during that vacation because you will set yourself back or you will um, have a, a less than optimal vacation. So now that being said, uh, one thing that I always say to my clients when they're going on a trip or something like that, it's an infrequent kind of trip. Um, and let's say it is a vacation. I tell them, let you, you set the parameters for this because you're the one that's paid for the damn vacation. So you tell me how important it is. You tell me what you want to get out of it. I recently had a client who went on a, uh, trip and a cruise over to Greece and she said, this is a once-in-a-lifetime trip. I'm going to have fun, and whatever happens once I get back, we'll take care of it when I get back. I'm like, you got it. No problem. And, you know, she came back. She was up a few pounds. She's lost them since then. It was pretty easy and, you know, not, not a huge deal, and now we're, we're continuing to progress. So um, set the parameters. Uh, you know, do, do you stick to macros? What do you do for training? I mean, for me, it, it's a tough call. Um, I, will, uh, I will never work out in a hotel gym. Uh, just because they're always crap. I'm an equipment snob. I don't like having to make substitutions based on a lack of equipment or crappy equipment, which is also why I'll never, never have a home gym. It's never going to be equipped to the point where I'll be, I'll, I'll feel like I'm not missing anything by not going to a commercial facility. Uh, so that's kind of a deal breaker for me. Uh, if it were me, I would absolutely find a gym. And if that meant, you know, I had to pay $15 a day for a day pass, meh, so what? All right, it's worth it for me. Uh, if that meant that I had to get an Uber to go there, if I didn't have a rental car, eh, it, it's worth it for me. That's fine. Um, I would also look at where I was staying and I'd do some planning in advance um, and just do a, a couple of map overlays. Where, are the gym, where, where do I have to be? What am I going for? Um, and then look for 
hotels and gyms that are in that area and could make for, you know, maybe walking distance or a really short cab or Uber ride, public transportation, whatever. Um, figure out how you can make it work cheaply, easily, efficiently. Uh, but selecting where you stay and also, um, you know, if you're, if you're going to try to stick to macros, um, having a kitchenette can help tremendously. Otherwise, just making sure you've got access to a grocery store and a fridge, bring some containers with you or pick up some disposable ones that you won't mind throwing away. Scope out where your microwaves are during the day. Depends on, again, what you're doing during the day. Are you at a conference? Are you in meetings all day? Uh, is it in an office building? Is it in a convention hall? Whatever. So understand the circumstances and the parameters of the trip. If it's a vacation, um, think about the investment that you made in paying for that trip and think, hmm, like I'm going to France, for example. I'm not, but hypothetically. It's the food capital of the world. Do I want to uh, stick to my macros on this trip? The answer is no, you don't. If you're going to France, you want to eat French food. Give me a break. That's not even a question. Um, it's, well, it is a question. It's an embarrassing one if you have to ask that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm evaluating a possible trip to a, uh, a resort in December. Uh, the, the whole point of that is to relax and get away and unwind. So, no, I will not be training. I will not be doing any kind of macro counting for anything like that. Hell no. No. I'm paying for that trip. I'm going to make the most out of it. Are you kidding me? Um, this trip that I went on uh, most recently last month, uh, same kind of thing. You know, it was long overdue. It was the first vacation I'd had in a year and a half. Um, I needed that time off. I did not consider going to a gym. I did not think – I did not develop uh, – uh, I did not dedicate – a single brain cell towards thinking about macronutrient values of anything I was putting in my body. I needed that break and it paid off. So, um, hopefully that helps. It kind of depends. Of course, it's a more nuanced answer on where you're at. Um, what the circumstances of the trip are, how frequently you're traveling. So for, for vacation specifically, um, as you asked, I would say it all comes down to, you know, d define you, you define for me, the parameters of that trip. How important is it for you to be able to say, you know, I want to unwind on this and get my money's worth out of this vacation that I'm spending, that I'm, that I'm paying for. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, that pretty much beats that to death. So <laughs> hopefully that helps a little bit. Uh, a couple of updates here. So yesterday, um, yesterday was Thursday and I know, uh, at the outset of this podcast, I said today is Thursday. So, um, right before I recorded the pet peeve of the week, I had an email come through, um, from my web hosting company. There were all kinds of problems with the migration that I had, uh, set in motion. And so from that point in the podcast, which that was around noon or so by the time I, I hit the pause button there, until um, really didn't get resolved until about nine at night. I was on and off the phone with tech support all day long. The website was offline much of that time. It's back on now and it's a lot faster as well, which is great. So uh, it was uh, a little stressful, but we're back online now. So you can always uh, check out uh, the latest episodes here. Um, uh, go to the dropset.com, click on episode archive. Um, the main website is fivestarphysique.com. You know, there's workout plans up there. There's apparel. There's some new stuff up there, some new tanks and some different colors as well. If you want to check some stuff out, still working on drop set, uh, branded apparel. So it's coming. It is. I'm just really slow because I've been super busy and, uh, what else? There was something else that I wanted to address there and Oh, just like a little birdie, it has slipped from my grasp. Eh. Oh, sadness. 
sad face. What was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, show notes. I'm doing show notes, as I mentioned before. So um, I'm going to put those up. So if you want to, I don't know how to make this show up in iTunes or Spotify. It might take me a little time to figure that out, if it's even possible. I don't know. Um, but I know uh, on the website, because you can listen directly through the website as well, and I don't think really anybody does that. But the, sh the full show notes will be posted there, including um, timestamps on where certain segments and discussions start. So um, full disclosure, that's up there. Uh, if you go to thedropset.com and click on Episode Archive and then click on the page for the specific episode, this is 130, um, you'll see a, a write-up there with those timestamps included there. So uh, that is pretty much all I've got. Once again, the phone line, always open. You know how to get a hold of it. 865-518-2974. Um, fivestarphysique.com or thedropset.com. You can find me on Instagram at Darren underscore star. Uh, you can theoretically message me through facebook.com slash fivestarphysique. I am getting less and less reliable at seeing and answering those just because I've ranted about this before, how terrible of a job Facebook does at keeping me up to date on uh, those communications. So it's, it's fairly infuriating. I just logged on yesterday and found uh, several messages that I had not seen. Uh, most of them, however, were, were people through who had found me through other means and hit me up like either via email or Instagram or something, which was a lot easier to track people down through. So, um, I've also noticed like my Instagram stories that I post, they automatically get posted to Facebook and I'll see that people have reacted to them or commented on them. And I, for the life of me, I can't figure out how to view those comments or see those reactions. I've clicked and clicked and clicked and poked through and I can't find a single damn thing that gives me any indication. So uh, if you don't get a response from me there, that's why. Um, it's a combination of either me being a giant idiot or Facebook being really horrible with how they, uh, how they lay that stuff out or most likely a combination of the two, maybe skewing more towards me being an idiot, maybe like 60-40 there. I'm not totally sure, though. So anyway, you know how to get a hold of me. Uh, call that number. Give me your questions. Um, we'll see if we can get a few uh, calls put together, um, a few calls put in by Monday when I'm right back for uh, another episode. Hopefully Monday is on the agenda here. We shall see how it goes. And uh, otherwise, you will be uh, you will be at the mercy of what I deem interesting to talk about. So who knows what that might be? So hope everybody has a great weekend. And uh, and what and what? Yeah, where are you going with that, Darren? Huh? How are you going to finish that sentence? I have no idea. So I will just try it a different way. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Period.